Welcome to Unsilent with your hosts, Dave and Brian. This is not another current events podcast. We're digging deeper, diagnosing, and discussing what's really going on today, how we got here, and providing observations for future generations. Welcome to Unsilent. We're Brian and Dave. We hope you let us know where you think we got it right and where we totally missed the point, which you can do by visiting our website, unsilentpodcast.com. Let's get into it. What are we talking about today, Brian? Well, Dave, let's jump into climate change. Uh, of all the topics going on in our world right now, this this one might be, one, well, certainly one of the most heated. And um, <laughs> if, the, if there was a Hall of Fame of things to argue about, this would be a first-round contender or first-round inductee my entire lifetime anyway. it's um, It's been a hot topic. There's no question. So there's there's with this topic, though, there's like, I don't know, eight or 12 or 53 subtopics. And they run the gamut from is there climate change? Did man cause it? Can man solve it? And then there's this kind of control element. There's kind of a what feels like maybe a, a religious aspect. And we'll get into all that stuff. But where do you think we start? Well, I think we have to first start with this idea of of this of the debate. Why is there such a big debate about this? And ultimately, I think it comes down to something that Rahm Emanuel said, uh, Bill Clinton, no, no, I'm sorry, uh, Barack Obama's uh, chief of staff, never let a good crisis go to waste. So right. in the climate change debate, it covers basically everything that human humans do on earth. And so therefore strong government control with lots of money is at stake when we're talking about what to do about the thing. So I think that's where, I think that's where it starts. It was, it was pollution was the thing like we were and we, and then recycling became a thing, which I'm super glad it did. I think that's, I think that's wise. And then it was global. Well, then it was in the then it was the ozone, and like aerosols were, and the ozone was going to go away, and we were going to be vap, you know, vaporized by the sun and radiation. Which, okay, if that's the thing, that's cool. Um, that we know about that, and we try to solve that, of course. And then it became um, global warming, and then global cooling, and then now it's just this all-encompassing climate change. And like you said, the the power and money that goes into place or is applied that the power applied and the money spent seems to be the only way to fix this thing is, is taking away people's ability to make decisions, restrict their, their movement, their choices and spend somebody else's money. That seems to be the only solutions available for this particular uh, issue. Is that, is that, is that your understanding as well? That that's the proposal that that's basically the proposal is that we all essentially go back to the dark ages. Uh, we, we don't drive our cars or hopefully there'll be EVs by that time. Hopefully there'll be enough, uh, enough EV stations to do, to deal with it. But ultimately we're being told we have to cede our freedom and all of our wealth and all of our progress to the experts and they will save us kind of like a, a priesthood, if you will. Yeah. So and I'm not being I'm not being a wise ass here. I, I don't think I, I'm being really serious about this. When you say all of us will have to do this, is it really all of us who are going to do it, or is there, or will there be the we're all equal except for some of us are more equal than others kind of a thing where there'll still be some folks who well you can't be John Kerry and not have a plane like you can't be Bill Gates and not have a plane right is it, am I <laughs> and I'm only being half a smart ass there but it am I missing something where they said. Yeah, we're all going to go back to this this substandard way compared to how we live now. Or 
Is it no, just the regular folks will do that and, and other folks will still have their thing. Well, that's what's in, that's what infuriates people about this, that that Bill Gates can still fly his plane to go do the and he's done good philanthropy work all over the world. So, yeah. no, you know, no, no uh, dissing him on that. But basically, he has the money to buy carbon credits in order so he can live in his multi gazillion square foot house so he can fly his planes. I'm sure he's got multiple planes all over the world. John Kerry can do the same thing. All of the rich people can can pack all of their planes in these climate conferences and talk to each other while the rest of us are told, no, don't go to work because you're burning fossil fuels and you're going to kill the planet. So, and again, part of our goal here, for those of you listening, is to is to get this accurate. Now, again, I made a smart-ass comment earlier, and we have our opinions, Dave and I. There's no question, but we want to be accurate also. And that's why we say go to unsilentpodcast.com, chime in where you think we're getting it right. So, But we want to get this part right. So, Dave, it seems to me that the only the – on, and I mean this literally in this case – the only solutions I've heard for solving this problem – involve spending tax dollars from U.S. and other Western countries, citizens, right? And clamping down on things like travel, um, vehicle choices, other other kinds of things that, that, that have varying degrees of direct involvement with climate, decisions we can make about different things. Am I wrong there? Have you heard like legitimate proposals to solve this problem that don't require just spending regular taxpayer money in the trillions of dollars, like literally 50 trillion is the last number I heard, and completely clamping down on people's ability to, to be mobile and make decisions about everyday things? Well, and, and that's really where the debate has gotten off track because there's been sort of two ways of thinking about it, two extremes, and that is nothing's happening, we can ignore the whole thing, or we have to stop doing everything that's made us, you know, uh, a, a an affluent society, and except for the people that are the truly affluent among us, and we right. have to spend trillions of dollars. Whereas there, there's a growing chorus of voices that are kind of more in the middle. What I would say in the middle that are saying, yes, some of some of what we can do, we can uh, be more efficient about what we do, how we use fossil fuels. We're not going to cut it all by 2030. That's just not right. realistic. Where we can also develop new technologies in order to uh, replace fossil fuels in a reasonable period of time. So this middle, this is where I, where I identify is the middle ground that says technology over a longer period of time with mitigation to the negative effects uh, of climate change. So there, there's certainly there's certainly negative effects to an earth that would be three degrees warmer in 2100 than it was in 1850. There's there's right. some negative effects with that, um, and there are places, however, that have started to do mitigation of those negative effects at the same time that they're not robbing their citizens of their basic rights, their basic choices, their economy. So you, yeah. you have to come up with a solution that actually works for everybody, and that's what the extremes that have have gotten the debate off track have not done. <clears throat> yeah, I, I think I, again, just kind of anecdotally, peripherally, whatever. I don't know anybody who's anti-technology. I mean, I literally don't know anybody like that. No. I don't know anybody who says we should go back and and be driving, you know, 78 Pintos that are spitting all kinds of stuff <laughs> in the atmosphere. I don't, I don't know a person who thinks like that. I don't know a person who doesn't believe that some version of, you know, electric cars, maybe flying cars, like whatever. I, some version of that's inevitable, probably, right? Sure. So... 
what what do you suppose as best as you can? What do you suppose the reason is that this has to be urgent that we can't allow technology over the course of five, 10, 20, 50, whatever years. Why is it? Why is the argument? The, the world is ending in 12 years. Now, this is the same argument that was made in 1964, by the way. And then again, in 1977 and in, you know, 2005 and 2014, it, it seems like 12 years is like the number. What, why can't it just be technology will, will solve this problem when it when it can why why is that to be now why why 12 years well yeah Best i think the, i i think the real reason this to me comes down to the first thing that we started with and that is the amount of power and money available to those who use a global crisis to secure for themselves uh, more control because a, right. a logical if from from my perspective and now i'm not a scientist so i you know but i read lots of i read lots of scientists uh but a a logical approach to the problem would be gradual transition at the same time that we mitigate the problems that have come up now this is how humanity has addressed every problem throughout our history there's been yeah. floods we haven't had water where we need it so we come up with a technological solution it doesn't happen overnight but we also haven't killed everybody to do it so we the 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 real reason it's being talked about in the ways it has to with very detrimental effects i would i would say also that there's there's over 50% of young people are concerned about whether this is going to to literally end their lives they're not going to be able to have children they're not yeah. going to have a future because they're being and, and told they're not even trying to have children because they're afraid of this because yeah because they believe that their lives and earth is going to become a burning cinder i mean what was it al gore not too long ago was talking about this is why the oceans are boiling well mr vice president sir with all due respect i don't think the oceans are boiling currently right. so there's there's just too much hyperbole in that but it's because you don't get get big money and you don't get ultimate control unless you get a crisis that's how so it let works. Me, let me, let me, again, best as best as you can. If you take that argument you just made, which I, I fully agree that that there are there is an element of people who are going to seize the day and at any opportunity try to increase their wealth and ultimately their power and influence over others. There's no question. Okay, so let's park that for a second. Next to that one, what are the top one, two, or three reasons why it has to be right now instead of that? Are there any? Well, from a, I think from a logical perspective, um, there, there really aren't any good ones that say that it's got to be dealt with in the next several years because we're told that it's an existential crisis. We're not told that it's a gradual crisis. It's, and it is indeed a gradual crisis. It's, it's something that's not happening tomorrow. It's, it's happening tomorrow through the foreseeable future. So this is not something that we're, we're, we're going to be able to solve overnight and therefore uh, giving all of our power and wealth and autonomy to somebody to do that has, has no real good reason. The only way that they yeah. can get that to happen is, is that crisis. I, I don't know of any other argument that's a, that's an honest argument. Now there are people that yeah. will argue, for instance, that the amount of heat that's being captured by the Earth, Earth's oceans is like thousands of nuclear bombs every single day. Now, one of the problems with this whole field is we know a lot, but there's a lot more that we don't know that we right. assume. And therefore, grabbing on to those, some things that we do know, 
and speculating beyond that and making drastic decisions and drastic recommendations from that, that's where the real problem comes in. Yeah. And, and before we dive into that part, I think the, the other thing that is, that is in this hyperbolic discussion, if you want to call it that, which doesn't really feel like a discussion to me, it feels like people shouting at each other. That's right. We'll get more into that later. But, but part of what's lost is I would argue the number one thing that separates human beings from all other species on the planet is our ability to, to for problem solving. Like yeah. that, if, we, if we didn't have that, we're literally not much better than the next, you know, top most evolved species on the planet. I would say that that's it. So, yep. so we discount our number one asset as a species and say, we can't do this. We can't solve this problem. Simultaneously, the really smart people can solve this problem. If you just, if you just, don't listen, you know, don't argue with them and give them more money and more, and right. more influence. <laughs> they can solve it, but collectively not, nah, we, we can't do it. it. Anyhow, we'll, we'll come back to that, I guess. The, the other thing that I think that is, is missing in this conversation again, cause we, it just jumps to hyperbole, like immediately in, in, in all cases, it seems like to me yep. is we default to this measuring of time from 1850 ish, around the industrial revolution to current time. And which in my mind over, if you look at a 4 billion year history of a planet, that's, I don't know, less than 20% of the time that's passed. I'm going to guess somewhere in there. I'm oh, not a math yeah, whiz, but, less. but it's it, what we, we focus on this period of time. So when the earth was formed 4 billion years ago or whatever it was, um, there was no water and it was molten lava everywhere. So it's cooled significantly from then. Oh yeah. Uh, and then we've had ice ages and it's warmed significantly from them. And the last quote unquote mini ice age was around 10,000 years ago. It's warmed significantly from them. We know this because it's not full of ice. And, and so <laughs> in between the last ice age and the mini ice age, there was periods of time where it was warm then. And I've heard from some folks, I don't know if this is true or not. This is part of the problem with this whole conversation is you don't know what you can believe. You don't know what's realistic. You don't want people just padding numbers to make their case. But I've heard people argue that between the last ice age and the last mini ice age, it was significantly warmer than it is today. So we don't we don't ever get to say like when's when's the official start line of global or climate change. We just and it and it's all these things at once. It's simultaneously cooler than it was at a period of time ago, and it's simultaneously warmer than it was a period ago. We only focus on this period of this last 175 years or whatever. Is there is there a rational reason for that other than people just trying to make their case? Well, I, I think um, I think the reason for the focus on the last 150 years or so is is a is to just determine how much we have an impact on that. Now, the, the point you bring up is a great point because maybe some of this is is natural processes and it was going to get warmer anyway. Um, right. Maybe now and and what has to happen to your point? What has to happen in a functionally uh, healthy society to debate is that would be a question that gets debated. However, if Right. You say, for instance, that human beings are not 100% responsible, and I don't know what percentage responsible we are. I, I don't know. But if yeah. you say we're not 100% responsible for every bit of warming that's happened since the industrial age, you're a climate denier, Brian. You're a climate denier. Right. You, you, you must be shunned, excommunicated, and, and put out of all the parties that are with important people. Yeah. So th this is really the problem. A, a healthy, robust debate about are we 50%, are we 70%, are we 10%, how much of this is natural? This goes to my point earlier of what we do and don't know. 
We, we know plenty, right. but there's one of the big things that people talk about in climate circles these days is the North Atlantic flow. I think it's called AMOC. I can't remember what the term means, but it's the yeah. flow of cold and warm water that really takes care of a, of a lot of important things for us. And is it going to stop? Yeah. Is it slowing down? You know, all of that. And the ultimate answer is we don't know. But right. and that's a fair answer. The most important how, answer how much, in science is we don't know. How much of this do you think is? And I, I don't. I've never really thought about this. It just kind of popped in my head. How much of this do you think is is placing all this certainty? We have twelve years, and we know we're responsible for this. How much do you think is just people putting themselves at ease, honestly, uh, to overcome the uncertainty of things that are could be catastrophic? Like again, when I was in junior high or high school or whatever, they talked about one day the North and South pole will just flip spots and that would like yeah. decimate all of our technology. And that freaked some people out. And so if we, if you speak about these things in certainty, do you think part of this is just people wanting to be at ease? Like they kind of got it figured out and there's less scary uncertainty out there. That's absolutely part of it. That that's, I think that's a, a big driving part of it. There's, there's that there's the, if, if you don't have, if you've reached a conclusion and that is that climate change is bad and that climate change is, is the worst thing of all. I mean, so President Biden right now, as we record this is, is contemplating a, a, cri a climate crisis, an emergency, sort of like we had with COVID in which they can force right. us to do all sorts of, all sorts of things. Yeah. Well, you don't get to, you don't get to the place where you can compel people to take action without 100% certainty. This is what's happening. And you don't get yeah. to the place where you can compel an outcome. So in other words, the ends justify the means. Now, maybe somebody believes right. that climate change by the year uh, 2100, and there's, there are models for what happens if we do nothing, what happens if we go extreme, you know, strong against yeah. us. The UN has models on this and none of them are existential destruction of planet earth models. Not, not, not the, the experts are not saying that, at least not right. at the UN, at the IPCC. So, but unless you have that kind of certainty, you're not going to get, and, and if you don't have that kind of hyperbole, you're not going to drive the conversation. And so therefore people are willing to go way beyond what the data says in terms of this rhetoric, like 12 years, if we don't solve it in 12 years, then earth is done and we're all going to, we're yeah. all going to fry on a molten earth. And, and, and part, you know, part of what, what baffles me about human beings in particular like we're just a we're just kind of an odd species it feels like like <laughs> the the we are simultaneously saying that we have this this certainty this knowledge we discount all the previous times we've been wrong because and there's been a few just oh, yeah. in my short lifetime there's been a lot of times we've had this level of certainty and being dead wrong about yep. climate change and a whole bunch of other topics we 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 we, we forgive ourselves for that and we don't contemplate the scope in which this 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 magnitude of in the, this problem we're discussing. Right. For example, how how much conversation or or how much knowledge is there about how much distance is between the Earth and the Sun? For example, does that vary by by you know twelve thousand miles every right. hundred and forty years, or is it does it vary by six hundred thousand miles every four hundred thousand years? Like right. Okay, well, that's a factor we can't we can't even know probably, or if we do, we, I've never heard it talked about. What there's bounds to be like the percentage of things that we know about this topic and how how our relationship to the sun and heat and cold and like we we know well under one percent of the knowable things about this topic, and and we have all this certainty, which again goes back to 
um, we have to ha- we have to all act collectively in which outcomes will be different for people who are regular folks than other folks. And I think that this could be e- easily solved if we just kind of had this approach like, hey, here's the things we're certain about and, and have people debate that like public. Yes. Like, I don't know anybody who would dismiss a public debate where you had five people on one side of the topic and five people on the other side of the topic. Right. And, and we just had a, a Zoom call. <laughs> <laughs> or a public forum in a high school auditorium or something like that, and we record it and bring your best five experts and your five experts, and let's figure out what we know and what we don't know. Right. I think folks would be interested in that. I think people Absolutely. do want to solve this problem. It's interesting to me that that if you if you pose questions like that, you, like you said, it's instantly your name caller, you're a climate denier, you're a science denier, you're this or that. The and this is what forces people to the conclusion. I think that. This isn't really about solving the climate issue. It's we're 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 skipping the things that are logical things, how you would problem solve and things in your own in your own life in your own household. Right. We're skipping over things like the the mass uh, uh, out in the Pacific Ocean. There's like a ten square mile area where it's just garbage is collected there because of the right. way the currents work. We're skipping over solving that problem. We're skipping over the part where China can add a new coal mine, a coal factory, or coal whatever it is power plant. You know, every three months, as we're locking ourselves down, they're not going to do anything different. There's Indonesia's not going to do anything different. Russia, I mean, we're we're skipping over these obvious things, right. and and I I don't understand how people who are you know really smart experts like you're saying aren't aware that this is just pushing people to to reject this whole notion, even if some of the stuff they're saying is quite true. So the 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 public is not interested in addressing these problems on a uh, large-scale basis because there's so much hyperbole around it. And so, therefore, real progress is not happening. If there is, and I believe there is a problem, I believe there's an actual real problem. And if that problem is going to be addressed, it's got to be done in such a way that engages the public, not scares them out of their out of their wits. One of the things the public knows intuitively and instinctively is that human beings, humanity, is terrible at predicting crises and disasters. And when we do predict right. crises and disasters, look at uh, in in our own lifetime, Y two K. You remember Y two K? Y2K, there's going to be, we only have two digit dates and therefore the world's probably going to come crashing and we're all sitting there on 1999, December 31st, and we've all made provision and Y2K was like, oh, okay, nothing. So we're we're terrible. We we make these predictions and we make those other predictions that we talked about before about the new ice age and all this other stuff. And at the same time, we miss things like 9-11. We miss things like 2008, you know, the great financial crisis. We miss things like the Great Depression. The greatest crises we miss and the things we think are going to be the greatest crises turn out to be not quite what we thought they would be. And in this case, yeah. that's a, one of the reasons I think the public is not terribly excited about this. On on every survey, they have things that are much, much, much higher, uh, except the activist sort of class and the, right. and the yeah, far yeah, left. They have things that are much higher on their priority list than climate change. And that's the reason why. But the problem with that is that if it were higher on people's list, if it were higher uh, in the public consciousness, and we could have that debate and people wouldn't just be name called if they said, well, maybe we can do some things to mitigate it and some things to move away from these, these, these other technologies. If that actually did happen, we'd stand a better chance of solving it than the current way it's being positioned. And if we weren't told, just trust the experts. 
Right. I think that that's the piece that is the most baffling. Let's let's assume that it, these people are having you know a good faith argument, and a lot of what they're saying is true. I don't necessarily agree with that, but let's let's. I think that there's. I think you can find people to get the outcomes you want for studies you do when their entire livelihood is based upon getting funding. Yep. And it's well known up front. If you won't get, reach this conclusion, you won't get the fund. I, right. I, I think that that perverts some of some of the, the objectivity of the, of these things. So I, I'm skeptical about those kinds of things for sure. But let's say the, the majority of the things that their concerns are legitimate and they're real. Yes. They are just absolute buffoons when it comes to how they present the information. Exactly. And if they can't figure out basic human nature, like, hey, if you want people to really upend their lives in certain parts of the world, but not others, and you want them to get on board with this and, and take some steps back in their standard of living and things like that, you better put some effort into presenting the evidence in a very <laughs> transparent, objective way. Or guess what? Whether you like it or not, fair or unfair, you're going to get some pushback, specifically from people who live in countries where they were founded, like ours, rejecting the idea of royalty and people telling them what to do and telling them how what kind of faith they're supposed to have in in right. how the universe works and in God and religion and things like that. If if you even if they're again if they're even if their majority of what they're saying is right, if they can't figure out basic human nature and how to just explain this, how in the hell are we supposed to give them credit for the ability to solve these problems? It's exactly right. It's exactly right. Unless you can answer some very basic, unless unless those who want us to take drastic action can answer some very basic questions such as about 70% of the world is still developing and they are right. going to develop as we, energy is at the core of all of modern uh, progress. Energy is yeah. at the core, and specifically fossil fuels, they're at the core of all of our Deep medical advances. Sure. Yeah. They're at the core of all of our of all of our technology advances, at the core of everything. The rest of the world wants the same opportunity that we have to raise yeah. their standard of living. And if you can't answer how you're going to bring the entire rest of the world along on any kind of scheme you've got to reduce emissions, then you're not going to convince people that it's worth them not being able to live their lives as they see fit. It's just not going to happen. Right. So, so you're going to tell, you know, regular middle class America, you're going to, to reduce your standard of living. Uh, but the, the elites here are going to go ahead and keep their planes and they're going to keep right. going to the Caribbean and places where you won't be able to go to anymore. And, and this is, I'm not making this stuff up, by the way. They, yeah. These are things they're saying like 2050, no airplane travel for very, you know, un, unessential travel, which who decides what unessential decides is? Who that? knows? Right. What, for, forget it. Whatever. Um, so rich people will still have their ability to do that kind of stuff. Regular folks won't. They'll take a couple steps back in their standard of living. Okay, well, we don't get to control what they do in in Africa and Asia and things like that. They've made it pretty clear they're not going to do that. So we're going to have this situation where the plan is, as best I can tell, Western middle class is going to take some steps back. Um, other undeveloped countries will continue developing. Or are we going to say, no, you're done where you're at and you're going to live 14 steps behind us in these developed countries. Like, <laughs> how is this supposed to happen? Who's supposed to make these decisions and how the hell do they expect people to go along with this? And, and that's, and that's the reason that it's a non-starter because not everything you just mentioned is what's be, is what are, are the only paths. If you, if you look at it from the perspective of it's a crisis and we got a draconian lockdowns and you all got to stay home now, just like we did during COVID. If you look at it from that perspective, then 
you're right. None of those things are going to happen because the rest of the world, India is not going to be willing to give up natural gas, uh, which they're right. investing heavily into. As you said, China's and building coal they? plants. And, and no, and, and yeah, exactly. Why? Who are we to say you should give this up? Or who are we? Who is, who are the elites in this country to say, well, we want all of you in America to reduce your standard of living by 50% or 30% or 20% or yeah. 10%. The, the people are just not going to go on to it with it. The people that say that are going to be ejected from office. They're going to be railroaded out of town and they're going to say, you know, go away. We, we're not interested. People are not yeah, going to willingly do that. I don't know how they're going to navigate this part. If again, if what they're the, granting them the majority of what they say is true, and they're just absolute buffoons when it comes to explaining things to people, I would love to know: is the plan to tell China and people in Asia and Africa you're stopping where you're at as far as your evolution as a country and sophistication with energy and growth out of poverty, like the Western countries have had their growth out of poverty over the last five hundred years or whatever it's been. You need to stop. Is that the plan? Or no, you're going to go ahead and continue and our people are going to stop. Like <laughs> either way, I think it's a tough sell. Well, and, and this is where I've had this discussion with, with people about this, people that are on the other side of the, the issue from me who think you can force your way into a, 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 you know, all these restrictions and, and basically they're in denial. When I ask the question, yeah. well, what about China? What about India? What about Nigeria? What about Brazil? What about all these countries right. that are on the rise? Well, they're building, they're building more solar panels in China. Okay. But, but let's, let's talk about it on mass. Let's talk about their entire energy portfolio. Let's talk about India's yeah. entire energy portfolio. India's building, building, uh, more of this and more of that. Great. They're doing that, but is it enough to offset their, the, their growth in emissions? No, not even close. Well, they, they've said they right. plan to do this. They've said they've signed on to Paris. They've signed on to the Kyoto Accords. They've signed, you know, everybody who signed on to, onto the Paris Accords, almost nobody has done what they said they were going to do. Right. Because people like to be part of the club. They like to say all the nice words. They like to say, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And because it, it gets some news, news cycles. They love the news cycles. But when it comes down to coming back to the citizens saying, okay, uh, citizens of France, you're going to have to, you, you're going to have to reduce your consumption of petrol. Uh, then you have the yellow jacket, you know, revolution where you, you, you're going to have all of these different things that practically speaking don't apply. So they're in denial. They're just in denial when yeah. it comes to a global and, solution. And I, w I would also just kind of throw this question out. What's, what's the last like five things that all countries have agreed upon? I can tell you in one minute. That's it. That's it. So it seems like the, the bar for achievement here seems overwhelmingly, the bar right. for explaining seems really low. And the, the bar for, you know, the, like the understanding or not a bar, I guess, but the, the methodology in which we're applying this as in should be top down enforcement right. or bottom up problem solving. That feels a little askew. Yeah. Um, it just feels like all these problems are, and I don't mean this sarcastically. I mean this literally. These feel like insurmountable problems. I don't know how you get all countries to agree on a thing. I right. just don't you know how that's possible. You don't. I don't know how you either tell people that in Africa and Asia and Southern America and other places like that, that they're going to continue 
evolving and growing, and we're going to go backwards. Or conversely, how you tell them you're going to stop right where you're at, and everyone's going to stop right where they're at. And actually, we're going to take a few steps back, and you might have to also, except for these super rich people, I don't know how you put that seems insurmountable. How you extract enough dollars to solve this problem seems insurmountable. Exactly. The idea of, of, of some people who elected or not, like forget the forget governments for a minute. The idea that people think they have the authority bestowed upon them to block out the sun seems an <laughs> insurmountable thing to explain to people. The, these wild things just seem so implausible to me that, that that's where I get lost. Like I get that the temperatures change. I get that we're probably likely part of that. Maybe significantly. I don't know because we can't ever get data that that's not hyperbolically and Al Gore and his 37 foot ladder and whatever that, that turned out to not be so true. And, and I'm sure that people who, who are fighting this are saying things that are not true. They're hyperbolic too. Right. That's, that's insurmountable at this point. It just all feels to me like it comes down to the, these are not well thought out, which leaves only one conclusion in my mind, which is the thing we start out with it. It really smells of power grab and, and restricting people. And the, the solutions to get out of that feeling are simple. Right. Right. And so, and so, the, the thing that could happen. So let me, let me give you a plausible future and what could happen to actually make a difference here. So if we took, let's say 20% of the angst and the energy and the public, uh, the, the, the public presentation of doom and gloom, and we've got 12 years by 2030 where the earth's and, the, and Al Gore's, the oceans are boiling. If we took 20% of all that energy that's put into that and said, look, uh, the earth is getting warmer. And therefore, we're going to need ways to deal with this. We're going to need mitigation. And we're also going to need new technologies that don't exist yet to help us make this transition. And we had a right. Kennedy-esque. You, you remember, uh, well, you don't remember, but you, you, you know your history. At no, the beginning. I'm far too young to remember anything about John Kennedy. Well, I was on the earth with him for about five months. So, you know, just born okay. right before he died. Right. But you, you remember his, his, uh, his speech where he talked about that yeah. he committed the nation to go to the moon by the end yep. of the decade and do everything else that we had to do just as a nation. Right. And we did not have the technology to do that. We didn't have the funding to do that. We didn't have anything to do that, but we had a motivation to do that. And he got the whole country behind us. That vision right. actually took us to the moon. If we had that yeah. same kind of initiative now, that wasn't a negative initiative. His initiative right. really was a positive initiative. Now, there was, there was stuff yeah. behind it that was negative, like, holy crap, the Soviets have beat us into space with Sputnik and they're, they're kicking our butt. Right. They're going to be a, a bigger military power. We got to do something about that. But he didn't, he didn't position it like that. He positioned it as a, an obstacle to overcome. We don't know how to do it yet, but we're committed to it. If that's the way we did this, if that's the way, and everybody would benefit because I could get yeah. an EV that drives for a thousand miles on one charge and doesn't cost me eighty thousand dollars. I'd, I'd be interested right. in that vehicle. I'd, I'd buy well, it. What he was selling was advancement. He was selling advancing the species, not just yes. people who lived in South Dakota, or yes. not just people who lived in Texas, and not just people who lived in Martha's Vineyard. This was advancing mankind. That's what he was selling. Right. And we said, we're the ones who are going to do it. And you know what? We all rallied behind. Again, I wasn't there. Yep. But the country rallied behind and was excited, exuberant about that. Again, exactly. that's why I'm saying like the, 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 the problems that are creating this rift are easily solvable problems. Yep. And people way smarter than me know this. And there's a reason they're not doing it. That's so, right. 
So let's 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 move on to the 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 next piece of this, which is, you know, the the only modalities I've heard again are the the other people's money and restrictions, and there's zero um, a, a tolerance for any kind of debate that's not hyperbolic. Like right. I said, you you immediately go to the camps and you throw out these hyperbolic things that are that that smells of how religious debates are had. Yes, and this feels like a very even though there's no God talked about in climate change, it does feel to me like the planet becomes God in this, in this yes. uh, scenario that it does feel like there is there part of the discussion, a significant part of the discussion I would say is a, a theological one in that either you're in a camp that believes that we were put here as a species by a creator in who created us in his own image to thrive here. And 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 be served by the planet. Now that doesn't mean we're not good stewards of our area. Right. It doesn't mean we don't clean up after ourselves. It doesn't mean we don't take care of things. It doesn't mean we we just show up and trash the place like your like your brother in law's neighbor coming to a party and like what I, I get that like we have to be good stewards of it. But it, we were put here by a a deity a, cre- a a creator to to thrive. And the planet is here. And the in the the, the things the planet produces are here to basically serve us and, and enrich our lives. Or you think that we're the scourge and the planet is the deity or the God, and we are here to serve the planet, which means, by the way, limiting the, the number of people who can be because we're the scourge and, and deer are higher on the hierarchy than we are because they don't create all the problems we do. Is there a piece I'm missing there, Dave? Does it feel that binary? I don't. I hate to get these things into binary kind of things, but this does kind of feel that binary to me. Well, it, it does have it does have all the hallmarks of a religious war, of a religious debate, because on one side you've got you've got a priesthood. So let's let's take the the climate extremist side. I'm going to take that that group. Yep. On the climate extremist side, you've got priests. And these are the people that cannot be questioned. A priest cannot be questioned. And you've got, right. you've got words and, and doctrines that are non-questionable. If you deny this, you are a climate denier, which is essentially saying you're a heretic. You're, you're, yes. you're a denier of the faith. Dave, not all of us know what heretic means. What is, what is the definition of a heretic? A heretic is somebody who uh, has denied the true faith. And so a heretic okay. in the to the climate priesthood is to say that one it's not the apocalypse because in in this in that space you also have an apocalypse. I mean every religion right. has some apocalypse some end time event that is the the culmination of 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 world affairs or has some kind of apocalyptic feel to it. So if you deny the the fundamental doctrine you're a heretic, you're a denier of the apocalypse. In fact, if you say that we need to figure out a way to live with it and a way to 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 um, adapt ourselves to it with better technologies, then you're also a denier because you're denying the holy war. You're denying the we have to get people. If you if you eat a cow, if you have that hamburger, you are a sinner. You're a sinner right. if you if you uh, if you buy any oil stock. You're a sinner. You're a ESG violator yeah. if you buy an oil stock. So you're, so you have all of those aspects of faith. And the reason you can know it's faith is because if it were science. If all of these things were just based on science, the fundamental basis of science is saying, well, why is that true? But if you right. say, for instance, if you say, well, 
why do you think we're the sole cause of that? Oh no, you uh, you have ushered yeah. un, unholy words. You're a climate tonight. You're you're evil. So that it really is that it's it's really that simple. Let, let me let me just. Let, I think you're a hundred. You're you're spot on right there. The the questions you cannot ask, and I'm I'm not saying that I'm questioning priests. I'm not I'm not I'm not saying that. But things you cannot ask a priest is why, and how do you know? Right. The priest is the only one, like the, like the only way you would know a priest was a fraud is if the priest told you. Right. Like there's, there's no other way to know. Right. 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 The, the priest has this relationship with God that you don't have. And you maybe frankly could not understand. And, and there, there's an elevated level of, uh, there's a hierarchy there where they're elevated and we're down below that. If, if you're in, in that particular faith or whatever, be, because they're, they're there to teach. Yes. They're not there to serve. They're there to teach. Right. Well, I guess they're there to serve some, but. But you're not allowed to ask them why, because the answer is only God knows sometimes. Well, and part of the reason that this is so hard for people to accept as well is because over the last, say, 500 years in Western society, we've had a democratization of everything. We've had a democratization of religion. You know, Martin Luther said, why should I listen to the Pope? The Pope's, you know, he's, right. he's he's not all, you know, I can talk to God myself directly. So we've had yeah. a democratization of faith where the, the Bible, and, and when the printing press came along, was now written so that the common person could read it. You didn't have to have yeah. a Latin background to read it. But in, in the climate space, it's like, well, are you a climate scientist? Do you read these? Well, that's the point I'm getting at. You cannot ask the 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 advocates uh the 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 super elite of the climate you can't ask them why and how do you know right you can't go down that path because you're you're questioning them and right. their status not they, they don't they don't they're not obligated to give you any kind of facts it appears much like a priest back in 1493 or whatever exactly and that's why the the public that's why i say the public is not going to accept these top-down solutions especially now that we had the that we've had the crisis of confidence in the elites because the elites have failed us so badly during covid we've had a crisis of confidence and, and you know we need technologists we need scientists we need we need smart people but those people to your point earlier if those people don't communicate on our level if a, an elite's job is to make sure that the non-elite, the, the scientist's job is to make sure that I understand what they know, not so that I'll obey their commands, but so that I can make decisions about what I want to do next. If an elite, right. if a scientist, if a somebody highly educated, if they are unable to come to me and say, here's the implications of the things I know, here's why I know what I know, and ask me any question you want under the sun, and I'll be happy to answer it for you. If they do that, they will be successful in communicating and, and helping us to understand how to make a decision on what, whether we think we believe them or not. But if they don't do right. that, they fail. And that's where we're at right now. Yeah, I, again, I don't know. Like, I saw a commercial yesterday, or actually, it was a, a, a five-minute story on the TV about a guy who's making basically a, a drone. You drive like a car now. Yeah, and you know it's going to be three hundred thousand dollars or whatever. And and I literally nudged my wife. And I was like, I want one of those. I don't know anybody <laughs> who wouldn't be excited about evolving our technology yes. and taking things and 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 advancing the species. Right. I don't know anybody who's like. I mean. There are people on the planet that way, I suppose, who still live the way they did 500 years ago. Okay, that's 3% or less in the population. The vast majority of people are completely open to, if not looking forward to, advancements. Yes. Which would probably align with solving this problem. But but again, to your point, like the, the heresy bucket and the priesthood and the and the the lack of 
uh, belief by the people who are who are supposedly know these things that they have any kind of obligation to explain it or get buy-in. That's where people are. I, right. I think that is the issue, not the the metrics. Although I think that there's you know there's ambiguity at best on the metrics. Some some of them just don't seem to make a lot of sense. Some of them seem like we figured out what we wanted to say first, then we paid the right people to say that, and that's who got the funding. Like, and and that's been you know throughout the the history of governments, that's been proven over and over and over. It's not like we're just saying this particular group of 117 scientists that applies to. It's been this way since Galileo right. was around. Yeah. Um, over and over and over, we've proved that this is how we'll do things sometimes. And and but the solution that is super simple. Let's have the public debate. Let's open the door. We can ask questions. Let's explain a path forward. Explain how we're going to solve these problems. I don't know a person who wouldn't get on board if that was the way it was presented. Absolutely, and I think ultimately, Brian, I think the way that this is going to this is going to sort of evolve over time, and it already is evolving this way over time. The elites have lost control of the conversation. There are now they'll probably still attempt a top-down solution, but it's not going to work because people will rebel against that. So I think what's going to happen over time is, and and it is actually right now happening over time. More and more people are believing that our solution to this is a technological solution that sure government can be involved, but government's not going to drive it because you're not going to get every government on earth to, to agree on everything. And you're not going to get every population in every country to agree, even if their government did. So it's not going to happen. So, People are beginning to see these, the opportunity. Then even, even Bill, Bill Gates wrote a book. Uh, I think it was like 10 ways to avoid the climate crisis. Most of his book, and I read the book, it was actually pretty good. He talked about the different technologies that could be used to, that we need to develop and we don't really have fully developed yet. And he's actually investing yeah. billions of dollars into, he's investing in, in nuclear, but which is a, uh, in, in this country is, is a, is yeah, a nasty that's word. Just, that's as taboo as anything. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, in nuclear is a, is a bad word only because we know there is a thing called a nuclear bomb, not because of the technology, but only because we know there's yeah. a thing called a nuclear bomb. So that's yeah, just why. like just like avocados are bad because bad because there's fat in them. Right, that's right. So it's <laughs> it, it's not logical. But this is ultimately what's going to happen. I predict that, and maybe I'm just too optimistic about these things. But I predict as technology continues to advance incrementally, things will change that will allow us to uh, not have as big an impact. I mean, there's a, there's a fascinating example if anybody wants to look at it of what's happening in Venice. And they've invented this great closing and opening door for the peninsula where they can actually close off during some high tides so that Venice doesn't flood so badly. And now they've got a new plan, a new technological plan, because they can't hold out the water forever because it is going up. They've got a new technological plan, which will even cost less, that will actually raise the entire city by injecting water, uh, hydrologic water underneath the city gradually over a period of years so it will raise. So we will mitigate the problems of climate change through technology over a long period of time. And when when problems happen, whatever problems end up happening, what the human race is great at and what we've done for millennia is problems happen. We figure out a way to do it. That's what makes us different from the animals. Like you said earlier, we will figure out a way yeah. for whatever's coming down the road. I mean, sure. If the sun blows up, we're done. We can't figure out a way around that yeah. one. But I have full confidence that the human race is clever enough to mitigate whatever problems are coming down the road without impoverishing everybody in the world by and will allow the the world population well, and, to and increase. here's we get back into the religious thing again can you imagine a priest of whatever religion saying 
the general population is smart enough to figure this out. They don't need me. I'm going to go ahead and defer to their judgment. This yeah. is why it, this is how it how it feels like a religion because yes. we don't. There's no objectivity. There's no measurables. There's no there's no certainty, but there's no ability for common folks to have influence or say. That's why it feels like a, a religious movement to me more than a science thing. All the things you just said are true. The people 150 years from now are going to look back at this and go, well, it seemed like a big deal then. Right. Whatever their situation now is, they've overcome it to whatever degree possible. Exactly. Well, and, and that's it's, – and, and it's going to play out, I think, a lot like the Protestant Reformation and, and the American Revolution. I mean, both of those situations, both the Protestant Reformation and the American Revolution and other revolutions that have happened since then were the democratization of power. So the, and, and, but what does power do? What does power do when it's being democratized? It fights like the devil to preserve its power. It gets more hyperbolic. You know, the, the Pope threatening anybody that follows this Luther heretic is going to burn in hell forever. What, what does, you know, King George, where we're going to hang all these people, all these, all these revolutionaries, these, uh, nobodies in, in America for rebelling against the crown. So you can expect that in this debate, it will happen the same way. And, and that's why. There's such high emotions. That's why we have people screaming, you know, about if we don't do the Green New Deal, we're all going to be ashes on the on the floor of a of a burnt, right. spent cinder of a planet. I, I think that's something that I hope you know, my my children's generation learns quicker than than we have. <laughs> is it? It doesn't matter what the what the organization is. It, it gets to a size where self preservation becomes the number yes. one objective. And that's true for for companies. That's true for governments. That's true for industry associations. Any any churches like yep. Organizations get to a size where self preservation is first and foremost the thing that has to happen. And and we can say we can acknowledge that, but when we see it manifest itself, we see how it actually is applied. We don't necessarily catch it as it's happening. I think this is one of those things where we can see in real time how it's happening, like. The government is is growing. It's running out of things to manage. Like there's, <laughs> there's, there's. It's literally where the average citizen can be put in prison for any average citizen now can be put in prison for breaking a federal law. There's this has been yep. proven n- numerous times. The average person breaks n- enough laws every year that it doesn't matter how good you are and how how you know kind you are, you could be put in prison. Yes, the government's running out of things to manage and. It's running out of, out of ways to re- reward people who put the people in power, right? Right. right. And so we've, we've, we're developing this new green technology, and, and we're, we're overlooking things that we used to care about just 15 years ago. Like yes. Just 15 years ago, saving the whales was still a battle cry for people who were you know, anti-pollution and, and anti-global warming and, and taking care of all that stuff. And now – Windmills are being put in the oceans that are literally killing whales, and there's zero discussion about that. Yeah, uh, windmills are being put on the on the, on on land that are literally killing hundreds or thousands of birds. There's no discussion about that. Solar panel farms are being put in and literally cooking birds midair. Yes, no discussion about that. These things we used to care about are gone, and it's clear to see the motive has changed. That the the way we recognize what is quote unquote good is not what it was 15 years ago. And that feels, again, like a religion. And it also feels like an organization, in this case, the government, just continuing to grow because that's, it's self-preservation mode, that's which what is it paramount. Does. Yeah, that, that it, it, it exists for self-perpetuation. That's exactly right. And when, and, and as you say, 
when when it runs out of things to do, what's going to happen? It's going to, you're going to see essentially the death throes of the old way of thinking about the, the old bureaucracy. Bureaucracies, you know, grow at a steady pace until the superstructure of that bureaucracy, again, whether it's, I don't care what it is, corporation, nonprofit, whatever, church, it grows to a certain point and then it collapses under its own weight. And that's right. where we're at with a lot of these systems that we're, that we're seeing today. And the, the proof of that is look at the trust in the United States for various institutions. There's not many institutions that have very much trust from the populace. When you lose the populace, when you lose the trust of the populace, as a large organization, whatever organization it is, then that organization is going to either be reformed to be more responsive to the population again, or it's going to pass away. And no matter how much you say yeah. the experts know what they're doing, the public now does not believe it. The public uniform, and that's yeah. not a controversial, a, a few years ago, that would have been a controversial thing to say. It's not controversial right now. All of the data says that the public does not trust the experts. The public does not trust the big institutions because they can see how they've been corrupted to drive certain agendas that benefit certain people and don't touch the rest of us. And that's, that's right. why this is, that's why this debate is not going to go anywhere. Yeah. I, right. And, and again, this is another one of those problems that the, the experts not being trusted is a very solvable problem. It would not take very long to solve the trust issue on this particular topic for sure right it would take a a reasonable amount of of objectivity a reasonable amount of humility and like explaining what we know and what we don't know a reasonable amount of explaining like here's what we really think we can get done to solve this problem and here's here's how we're going to have a discussion about deciding how much advancement there can be to to through technology versus how much th how many things we might have to give up that Maybe are contributing, you know, maybe we have to get rid of coal mining. Okay, well, let's put that in our top five things to do in the next 20 years. Right. And let's devote that 20% you're talking about to solving, to creating energy, uh, energy alternatives so we can get rid of that. I, again, I don't know anybody who would be anti that. Right. It's, 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 shut up and do what you're told. Shut up and don't question us. Right. And we're not obligated to give you any kind of facts and figures or any level of humility or any level of explaining things in a way that is logical. And just do what you're told anyway. And by the way, write a bigger check. And this is what this is what the great leaders over the years have known. They've been approachable. They've been aspirational. I mean, you you look at at, at Reagan's Morning in America speech back in the early '80s. He was, you know, I, I believe I believe in our best future. Not if you don't do what I say, you're all gonna you're all right. gonna fry on a on a crispy earth. Look again back to John yeah. F. Kennedy's speech. Look at how uh, look at the sort of the FDRs. Uh, I'm not a fan of a lot of what FDR did, uh, but look at some of the, the ways that FDR communicated at the beginning of World War II. There's a very, a very um, a public centered, aspirational uh, approach to it. Look at Winston Churchill, even when faced with the destruction, the potential destruction of the, of the, of the British nation. He said, we will fight on the shores. We'll fight in the fields. We'll fight in the streets. I mean, so yeah, it's fighting, but yeah. it was all aspirational. It's like, we're never going to give up. We're going to beat this thing. Not yeah. if you don't do what I say, you're going to fry. And that's really the problem in this, this debate. Well, that, and, and when he was talking about that and FDR was talking about that and Reagan was talking about that and Kennedy was talking about the, they were explaining this to people who they valued and said, you deserve a brighter future. Right. And that is not the message today. The message is you do not deserve a, a brighter future. You deserve to pay for these sins you've committed against my God, which is the right. planet in right. this case. 
you don't deserve this better thing. In fact, if it didn't work out for you and your family and, and rubes like you who are ruining things, eh, that's probably for the best. Right. I think that's the underlying thing that the, the Reagan speech and the FDRs and, and all these people had, like, they were genuinely rooting for the people they were talking to. Yeah, that's right. And that's, and that's where the future is a more democratized future. Whatever, whatever we go through in the next 10 or 15 years, whatever kind of crises we have to face, et cetera, I think what comes out of that is a, is one, a more democratized future where people do believe that, that the institutions care about them as, and now nobody believes the institutions care about them. Right. Nobody believes that their leaders really care about them. We just, the, the only thing we want from our leaders is for our our side to win, not not for them to genuinely solve our problems, and and this is this is I think this is this is short lived. It can't survive. A nation can't survive that way. Right. I totally agree. Well, Dave, anything else you want to add to this? I think we've kind of we've kind of hit the high points here. There's no question this is a topic. I'm sure we will be bumping into again yep. here and there. Uh, there's there's so many things that kind of run in and out of this uh, topic. I'm sure we'll be getting back to it. But anything else you want to finish up with today? I think we're good, Brian. We've solved the uh, climate change crisis. We cool. certainly we certainly have. All right. Well, don't forget if uh, please. One of the things we really want to happen with this particular podcast is we want you to have a place to chime in, share your opinion. Where did we get it right? Where did we completely miss it? What's the what's the what's really going on underneath that we've we've completely missed sight of, Dave and I, as we're talking about this stuff. Our goal is to give you guys listening a place to to get this stuff off your chest and let's let's really figure out what's going on here and and skip the hyper hyperbolic conversations and skip skip the tribalism and all that kind of stuff. Tell us where we got it right and where we didn't get it wrong, or we, we got it wrong. Go to unsilentpodcast.com. So until next time, this is Dave and Brian signing off. See you next week. Do you want to be on silent? Make your voice heard on our social media channels and share where you think we got it right or wrong. Go to unsilentpodcast.com for social links so you can join the discussion. 